Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am extremely excited tonight as we have the singer-songwriter James Durbin coming on for an interview to promote his new album, which is called Riot on Sunset, and that will be out on July 15th tonight. So I'll do a nice introduction for him, and then we will uh, bring him on the air to start the interview. Uh, James Durbin is a singer-songwriter and guitarist from Santa Cruz, California. And everyone knows who he is. His phenomenal vocals and stellar performances on American Idol led him to finish fourth place in season 10 of the show. He has worked and performed along the side of many renowned musicians, including Stevie Wonder, Zach Wilde, and Mick Mars, to name a few, as well as he's appeared on the 10th season of American Idol finale, singing Living After Midnight and Breaking the Law alongside heavy metal legend Judas Priest. So that was amazing performances that he has done for those. He also has toured with so many national bands. He's uh, toured with Buck Cherry, Drowning Pool, and Steel Panther, to name a few. And he also has released two full-length albums. They were through Wind Up Records, which was the label he was uh, previously on, and they were Memories of Beautiful Disaster and Celebrate. But I want everyone to definitely check out the new phenomenal album that is going to be out, as I said, on July 15th. It is right on Sunset, and it features his hit single, Smackdown. If you haven't heard it, be sure to go to Loudwire, check out the video, really cool track that he has going on there. And I've had a chance to preview some of the other songs on the album, too, and he's really got some great stuff. I think everyone who's liked his previous stuff is definitely going to like this album. He's bringing a little bit more of that rock back and uh, the traditional, you know, vocals that he's had in previous albums. So tonight we're going to really take you on a journey like no other. I really like to take people on their life story, and you're going to learn a lot about my guests that you might not see on other shows. And the one thing that I really um, want to hone in on is James's dedication, his resiliency, and never-ending talent, I mean, really, I think, has led to him becoming the artist he is today. He's overcome a lot of different challenges along the way, but one thing he's never given up on is his passion for music, and that definitely shines through with his artistry. So let's bring uh, James on the air, and we'll start the interview. Hey, James, how are you? Hello. Hey, welcome. How are you, Carrie? Good. Thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, definitely. So I had a chance to listen to some of the new music, and it's some really great stuff you have going on. So I definitely want to talk about that, you know, a little later in the interview. But to start out, I'd really like to bring out who the person is that I'm interviewing. So let's start a little bit just with your background growing up in Santa Cruz, California. You know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what was your personality like as a kid? What were some of the things you liked to do when you were really young? Um, Growing up as a kid, I'd say I was pretty hyperactive. Um, okay. You know, and uh, I mean, this was before they could put, you know, put a diagnosis on it and uh, figure out what was wrong with me. Uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love to play. Um, growing up in a beach town, I would always hang out at the beach. Never surfed. Never. Uh, I did a little boogie boarding back in the day. Um, okay. But I always, I always liked, I always liked the different things. I always liked the things that. Not everybody else liked, you know. Pretty much everybody listened, uh, listened to Sublime in middle school, and, and I liked Queen. Um, pretty much uh, everybody skateboarded, and I liked Rollerblade. Um, 
you know, so I, I, I always just, it was just, I don't know if it was a, it wasn't really a product of my surroundings, um, but I just tended to go for what was different, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, and I think that definitely suits your personality a little bit, too, because, you know, even just to fast forward a tiny bit, I mean, even on American Idol and reflecting back, and I, I think I was definitely watching it when you were on. I, I stopped a few years ago. So, but again, like you said, you definitely stood out. You know what I mean? You took a little bit of, di- of a different road. You took some risks, and I think that's really what makes you unique. You know what I mean? And, and different. You're not some kind of cookie-cutter artist where you can kind of put you in some little, you know, mold, so to speak. So I think that's great that as a kid – you were able to, like you said, kind of take a little bit of a different avenue than other people. Did that um, yeah. did that ever make you stand out and have some difficulties relating with your peers? Did was it difficult to make friends if you were doing some different things? I mean, yeah, uh, every day. Yeah, um, I, I definitely had my my I I definitely had uh, a group of people that I was involved in and and a group of people that I could you know, that I could lean on and that I could trust. But but even still, it, it, it always felt like there was, it wasn't entirely mm-hmm. right. Um, being, I don't know, I mean, at that point, I think that was around the time of my diagnosis when I was diagnosed with uh, uh, Asperger's, high-functioning autism, and uh, Tourette syndrome. And so, I mean, at that point, like, I knew you know, and the people around me knew what was going on, but uh, I was dealing right. with being bullied all the time and the stresses of homework and the stresses of just the social stuff of school, right. you know, the real unimportant right. stuff to where I, I, I don't really remember much of, of school and the education that I got. You know, I remember in middle school at a certain point, I loved math and I loved long division, but um, through the stresses of, you know, kids throwing things at me in class, I couldn't focus and, and, and hazing and, and just being, uh, you know, picked on in that kind of way. It's just uh, all that stuff is, is completely gone. And the only right. things I do remember from school are, um, you know, the bullies, basically, and the, the, the more of the um, negative moments. Okay. And I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about that. But I think something you've been able to do is really take those experiences. And I want to definitely have you share that with the audience because I think – the resiliency, I said that at the beginning of the interview, you know, doing all my research and reading a lot about just your life story and how far you've come, you know, where did you, where did you kind of pull from to, you know, to have that basically that determination and that resiliency that you were never going to give up and you were never going to let, like you said, these people bully you or put you down and things like that. Well, for one, it was seeing that I'm not the only one, you know, and there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. in, in the world um, obviously, and, and but there's so many people, so many kids, um, not only kids that have disabilities, but kids that are just different, kids that aren't, you know, that don't like everything that that <clears throat> that, that society really likes, and they they like the different things, you know. Uh, I, I I saw that I'm that kid, you know, and and that's okay. And there's a lot of kids that are like that, and a lot of people that grow up to be great, successful people that are like that, and right. so I think that it's okay to to be yourself, and 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 that really. Um, that really pushed me into that direction of knowing that I can be this and I can still be successful. And I need to show people that you don't have to be afraid of who you are. If that's who you are, then own it. Be that, like, don't try to change yourself to fit somebody else's mm-hmm. image of what they think you're supposed to be. Definitely. So it was that, definitely. and then it was also having a family. Um, having a family was, was 
was like the other biggest thing that happened was I can't let these people down. I can't let my wife down. I can't let my kids down. I Mm -hmm. have to do my absolute best because if I give up, then I lose that, you know, and I don't want to be that kind of dad. I don't want to be that kind of a a father figure that's not around. You know, I want to be what I never had. So it's it's really good. It's really positive. You know, it's taking a, it's taking something that's sad and, could be most of the time negative and, and just looking at it in a positive way. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, digressing a little bit back, you know, again, with whatever you feel comfortable sharing, I don't want to make you, you know, share things that you don't feel comfortable with. Um, growing up, your your dad passed away when you were very young, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And so you were living with your mom as a single parent. And tell us a little bit about just, you have a couple of sisters, you know, tell us about your family life as a kid, and, and if you don't mind sharing what your mom did for a living and where your sisters are at today, is there anyone else that's in the entertainment industry that maybe inspired you to get involved in music? Well, there was nobody in my family that was in the entertainment industry or anything. It was just kind of, I always latched onto that, and I always latched onto performing. My sister was uh, was in theater in high school, and so I really... Mm-hmm. I really loved that. I loved going to see her performances, and, and she did uh, Damn Yankees, and she got the lead. Um, and so I went to those shows, and I begged my mom to let me go to every one of them that I could go to. And sometimes I'd beg her to drop me off there. I was like seven or eight years old. So I made a pact with my mom to give me two bucks, let me get some junior mints and a juice, and let me sit here, and I will watch every performance of the show. And by the time she came to pick me up. Uh, I knew the whole show inside now. I'm like seven or eight years old. And so wow. um, uh, next time I came back, I wore my, my baseball uniform, uh, damn Yankees, up Yankees and, and selling your gold <laughs> with the devil for one more chance of success. And uh, <clears throat> so I knew the whole show. And then I, the, the high schoolers would let me hang out backstage and then I knew everybody. And then the final night uh, when they, when they all goof off, they brought me out on stage. And, um, you know, I thought they were just going to have me in the back, but they, like, nudged me forward, and I just started saying, wow, we think about the game, the game. And and that was where, that was pretty much what bit me. Um, That's great. The next year, the next year of uh, that they were doing high school plays, and I was a little older, and they needed a, a Cantonese boy to sing in French for South Pacific. Okay. So my mom... Uh, my mom um, painted me up, and we dyed my hair black, and uh, I wore a sarong, and I sang in French, and it was awesome. So it, it just, like, kept wow. progressing. And I was like, okay, well, I know what I can do on stage is I can make people feel a certain way, but also I don't have to be me. So if, if I'm having an awful time at school or something being James, uh, I can go on stage and I don't have to be James. I can be somebody else. I could right. wait. I was like, it was this dawning, this realization. Wait, I can audition to be somebody else. This is awesome. I'd love <laughs> to be somebody else. Oh, that's great. That's great. So that's where, like you said, you started to kind of your sister was pointing in that direction, and you've definitely done some theater. I mean, you've been in, you know, it's when you were in your teens, you were in Greece and Beauty and the Beast and West Side Story. So you did a, t- a ton of you know, theater stuff too. So let's transition into, because mm-hmm. I know, you know, we have limited time. Um, when did you start to really get an interest in singing? And, and what was, you know, tell us a little bit about that in terms of, you know, how you start, started to get inspired by the heavy metal. And I know you were in a band called Hollywood Scars. So, you know, pull some of that stuff in and then we'll start to progress towards American Idol. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I really started, it started through theater um, and to where I realized that there were different shows that weren't so much towards only show tunes. And I, I discovered Jesus Christ Superstar and through looking at different, uh, different videos on YouTube as a kid, uh, I'd wait till my mom would leave. Uh, my mom was taking care of her mom, uh, um, who was very sick and ended up passing away. Um, but through that time, uh, I was just home a lot. I was probably 15 or 16. And so I would sit home. I would turn on the computer. There was nobody else in the house. I'd turn the speakers up. And I would listen to these different songs. And the the main ones were like Gethsemane, I Only Want to Say, and um, and what was the other one? Uh, Too Much Heaven on Their, Heaven on their Minds um, from okay. Jesus Christ Superstar. And, and uh, even the original... Um, uh, the original movie with Ted Neely and just hearing him and just like, Jesus can sing. This is awesome. But more so than <laughs> that is that it's the screaming, it's the high notes, it's the power and, and just the vibrato and the energy and like the Robert Plant, the Freddie Mercury. And, and I started getting more into that stuff and, and the screaming and realizing that, okay, I've always been more of a soprano or an alto soprano or mezzo soprano. And mm-hmm. then to a tenor, like in middle school, I was a soprano. <laughs> Like it was amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean your your yeah your voice is just can, can still get phenomenal. up there. Right. Thank you. And uh, and but one certain guy that I found in particular was uh, a guy by the name of Drew Sarich, S A R I C H, and um, he is uh, a Broadway phenomenon. And I found some performances of his that I believe he did in uh, Germany or Austria. He was Austria. Um, American guy, but he's married to an Austrian, I guess. Um, and so he was over there, and he was doing uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. And I heard these voices coming out of him, these sounds, and I knew right then and there, like I want to be able to do that. Like it's not mm-hmm. just Robert Plant, it's not just you know Jared Leto. It's 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 both of those right. things combined. It's this modern classic sound. And so I just I kind of styled my voice after that and so I put on him uh, I put on the, the audio of it and I would sing along with it and I would try and push myself to try and stretch my vocal cords and um, mm-hmm. and realize that I can be theatrical on stage and I don't have to lose those theatrics of um, of theater I don't have to lose those when I you know transfer it over to a, um, a club stage or a bar stage you know so that, that was a real uh, uh, transcension in, in my uh, in my life that's great and and did you take any formal lessons I mean I know you went to I read that you went to a music school for a little bit and if you want to just you know give a sentence or two about that in terms of like again your your voice is just you know it, it's amazing so is that something that you just worked it on your own or did someone did you get some formal classical training uh, I've, I've had different training throughout my life <clears throat> I always did um, singing classes at school and mm-hmm. some uh, community theater and community choirs. Uh, the first community choir I did was through the church. Um, and the uh, the choir teacher, <laughs> she was very hands-on. <laughs> she was very physical. And, and sometimes in, in, a, in a very old-school kind of, I don't want to <laughs> say brutal because it worked. Okay. And it's and it's outlasting, you know. It's it's it, it lasts. 
like what she taught me I remember and because more of in fear that I don't want her to uh, stick my own fingers in my mouth because I'm not you know <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm not expanding my my um vocal cords and my diaphragm properly but but still it was it was a it definitely worked um okay. so <clears throat> through her and through different choirs and in school I would do choir and then I was invited to do an honor choir and then I was invited to do a jazz choir and and everything just kind of kept advancing. I didn't thrive in so much of a structured environment as far as I don't really like to read music um, in the jazz choirs. You got to read the sheet music and okay. everything. And, and I just, you know, I, I, I like to riff. I like to, I like to do what comes out naturally for me, not necessarily what somebody else is, you know, putting in notes on a piece of paper. And although it needs to be respected and, and sung that way for that style, it just it just didn't suit me. And so um, around that time I sought out, uh, I was with a community theater company called Kids on Broadway uh, locally here in Santa Cruz. Um, and they were partnering partnering up with uh, a guy by the name of Dale Ackerman. And he was starting a music school. It's kind of like a school of rock music school. He'd already been teaching uh, a bunch of kids guitar and, and piano and, and bass and drums and everything. And, and so it was kind of just making it official. And they wanted to know if I wanted to be the first uh, recipient of a scholarship um, because uh, oh, wow. my we were we were a low-budget family. Um, and so that was okay. uh, really, really fortunate. And Dale actually ended up becoming um, really uh, a mentor to me to where when Idol – um, there was a, a kind of a top four thing where we got to choose a mentor of ours, someone that really inspired us in our life and, uh, and donate a bunch of money to them and do like a car drive, test drive cars over there. And um, there was a promotion with Ford and stuff. And I chose him right. and he got uh, a bunch of money towards the school and it was a, a really big thing for our community. And so he's, he's basically my Yoda. Anytime I need nice. to, you know, anytime I need some advice, he gives me advice, but he doesn't directly give it to me. He gives it to me in a way much like Yoda would, where it's like, it's a code, you know, right. it's like, you'll know where the lizard goes to lick the dew from the cactuses in the desert. And you'll be the one that finds the key and the, you know, the lock in the mountains, like stuff like that. But you're just like, what are you talking about? But you, you read it and you're like, I get it, but I right. don't get it. So it sounds like, again, someone yeah. who's supportive, but wants you to kind of guide yourself and kind of find your own answer, so to speak. You know what I mean? As you're kind of going through exactly. life and, and learning. Cool. Very cool. Exactly. I mean, cause I he's, mean been, he's been through it all and, and had the, you know, had the chance of a lifetime in the world on a string and the record contract and the, you know, the, the, the job to be in the band for the big pop artist at the time. And then it ended up being a, a sham and, and just, he knows the, trials and tribulations of the music industry and, and, and everything. So he's the he's the perfect person to to just listen to. Well it's wonderful that you could relate to him and that you found him along the way. That's that's great to have him as a mentor. So let's uh let's fast mm-hmm. forward a little bit because um you know, you had two albums that you put out. I mean, let's talk talk a tiny bit about I mean your your experience on Idol. I know that you tried out for season eight and didn't make yeah. it and then you had this whole experience mm-hmm. with you're working at Domino's and they're not going to let you take off and then you walk in one day and they're going bankrupt or something like that happens and then you get this opportunity and you know you make it to the top four which was just 
you know, congratulations with that. So, yeah, Thank talk you. a tiny bit about that, and then we'll transition into talking about the new album. Yeah, so um, like you said, uh, all all of that <laughs> made it to top <laughs> four, did the Idol Tour. And uh, mm-hmm. along the time on the Idol Tour, I ended up signing a record contract and uh, put okay. out my first single, which was called uh, Stand Up. And it was um, included on a NFL um, volume mm-hmm. one some compilation track. And so it was really cool. They ended up playing it at the Super Bowl and a bunch of different teams adopted it and, and played it in their stadiums and everything. And, and uh, so I made Memories of a Beautiful Disaster, my first album, on uh, November 21st, 2011, which mm-hmm. correlates beautifully as that was the day that my daughter was born. Um, two years ago, almost. Congratulations. So uh, uh, thank you. It was so crazy that that's the day that she was born. Um, and then uh, and did that and toured on it and <clears throat> worked it and then did another album, Celebrate, and, um, you know, went in a different direction, just through trials and tribulations of the music industry. But, um, yeah, now I'm now I'm here. <laughs> so it's, it's, now you're it's here. Really cool yeah, so put out, think, put out new music and, and to uh, regenerate. Yeah, so it's interesting because you were with, you were with Wind Up Records, correct? That was for your two previous albums. <clears throat> And and now, mm-hmm. are you with a label, or you're just kind of doing things on your own, it looks like, when you use the Pledge of Music to raise the money for the new album? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now um, I've been independent since, I mean, pretty much completely independent, uh, managing in-house. My wife is managing me. Um, wow. My wife, Heidi. And, yeah, and so it's, it's and we're, and we're completely, you know, independent on that front, so um, I, I still have a representation and accountant and, and a booking agent and, and everything and a publicist and uh, attorney. And, you know, so, uh, I mean, my team is there, but we understand like in the managerial standpoint is to keep the artist's best interest in mind and who right. but the artist and, you know, and, and his better half yeah. can keep their best interest in mind. You know, it's 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 uh it's it's been great. It's really been great, great since uh, since about October of last year, and basically trying to throughout the process of making the record and and doing the daily things that go with being part of a label, like the label would do. We've pretty much adopted it into um, us basically running our own label. And so we've uh, dubbed it Wild Vine Records. It's a wild vine just sprouts out of the ground and starts to bloom on nice. its own. And you don't know where it's going to end up, but it's, it's it's really cool to watch it grow. So that's where it's come from, and, and that's where it is now. That's great. So how long, let's talk a little bit about the album. How long did you um, take to record it? I mean, tell me a little bit about, did you mix it all yourself? Did you have someone, you know, produce it with you? Tell us a little bit about the, the process of putting the album together. Yeah, so I, I launched the Pledge Music campaign um, last year, around uh, October, and uh, and just basically hit the ground run and started writing songs, looked at different songs that I had already had saved up. Um, and, and looked at songs that I had, hadn't finished yet. Um, the title track, Riot on Sunset, is a song that I wrote in my childhood bedroom when I was about 20 or 21, somewhere in between there. And, um, and, uh, I tried to put it on both my previous albums before, never released it before then. I wrote it for a band that I was in and we just never ended up recording it. Um, but I wrote it, um, 
and uh, yeah, I was told that it would never get on an album. You know, I was told it wasn't good enough. And right. then, um, and then I had that song taken from me, basically. You know, when when a when you sign a record deal and and you sign over your publishing and they keep your songs and they you know they they own them. You know, that's that's part of what you. That's part yeah, of what you give. it's a nightmare. You right. Know, so even though it was a song that wasn't released, it was a song that was told it wasn't good enough. Um, you know, they they still wouldn't give it back. But but thank God we got it back, and and I knew from that moment on that this album was going to be right on sunset. That was going to be the title track. That was going to be that was going to be it. And so through that, I looked at that inspired me to look at other songs that I had never finished writing, um, which I uh, then I got from uh, the final track, which is uh, keeps me alive. The album yeah, closer, it's a great and that song. song um, I finally finished this year. Thank you. Uh, and that song took me about five years to write over the course of five wow. years, coming back to it, just forgetting about it, remembering it randomly, and, and uh, finally wrote the bridge this year, and, and it's it's complete, you know, and um, just, you know, different songs from different time periods, and, and uh, but they all work together, and, and there's, there's the, the constant theme of this album is closure, because a lot of these songs are about things in the past. They're about mm-hmm. moments of my past and not necessarily moments of my present or moments of my future, but um, it's, 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 it's a good thing. You know, it's really good. That's good. Probably closure in a lot of ways, right, in terms of whether it's family dynamics or, you know, like you said, doing your own thing now, leaving the label, leaving the management, you know, in terms of like you're talking about with the music side and you're doing that yourself at this point. Um, you know, coming to terms yeah. with, like you said, kind of, you being the person now and you being in charge, so to speak. Mm-hmm. In some way. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about uh, upcoming shows. I know you've you got a tour coming up and stuff, and then we're definitely going to close out the show. We'll talk a little bit about SmackDown and then uh, close out the show with that song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we have tour dates coming up. Uh, we leave this upcoming Sunday. And we'll be out for 19 days. <clears throat> Pretty much 19 nice. days exactly. We'll be out on the road. And we return, and uh, we return, and I have a my guys get the day off, and I have a show with my cover band locally here in Santa Cruz. Um, it's like rock and roll covers from all eras. Cool. And um, and then a few days after that, we do a local a local county fair here in Santa Clara, um, which is basically Silicon Valley, San Jose area. And so it's uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, these songs have been, uh, the album's been finished for, you know, a little while now, and I've been playing these songs and listening to them over and over for <laughs> for too long that I want to admit. And so I'm, I'm basically <laughs> just ready to play all of them live. And that's kind of the feeling that I wrote them with was, how will this song sound live? You know, will it really translate well? Will it sound a lot like the album? And um, right. Currently, as it stands, with with band rehearsals and everything, and and going through everything, it, it sounds pretty damn similar to the album, and it, it's great. You know, it, it's That's great that thing. I don't have to run tracks and I don't have to do something that isn't um, isn't synthetic. You know, I, I I like doing that stuff. I mean, it's not like I don't like it, but you know, it it definitely brings its 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 need and everything but if i can write these songs without it and i don't need to use them and we can just four of us guys pile up in a van and drive to a city and set up and play then that's like mm-hmm. that's the best you know you don't have to pop it through the computer you don't have to 
plug in a bunch of electronics and hardware. It's just you just get out there and and you know get the lead out. Definitely, definitely. Well, like I said, the few songs that I've had a chance to hear are wonderful. I think you you nailed it this time with this album. And and like you said, I think you brought back to where you needed to be. I know Celebrate, from what I read, was a, you know, I I love some of the tracks off it. It's definitely stylistically something I like. But, you know, I think you really wanted to bring some of your rock back. And I think you were held back a little bit from what I read about with your past in terms of, you know, that album kind of being in a little bit of a different direction slash genre, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, I think this one really kind of is true to who you are as an artist and uh, bringing all those unique elements that you, uh, you know, encompass in your music. Yeah, it, it's definitely, I'm, I definitely feel more like myself again, which is great and which is allowing me is new ideas and more song ideas to come out and being influenced by things around me um, that, that have always been around me and that will never leave. But I mean, it's, uh, not to take anything away from Celebrate as an album. It's no, no, I, definitely. I feel like it's, but no, yeah, of course. I know you weren't saying that, but just for, for right. myself. Um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it isn't a great representation of me, but it is in a way because it's, it's, I, I explored a lot of different things with that album that pushed me and stretched me and stretched my creativity and my songwriting and in, mm-hmm. in a way that I'd never done before. And so it stands well as a good studio album, you know, a good concept album with the mm-hmm. concept being uh, we're making a pop album, but, <laughs> but not so much of a, a live, a live album. Gotcha. Okay, well, let's do this because I know we're going to be running out of time shortly. Let's uh, tell me a little bit about SmackDown, and uh, it's a great video you have out right now. It's an awesome track, definitely uh, really catchy, and and some nice hooks you have with that song. So tell us a little bit about just you know the meaning of that song and why you chose to release that one first as your single, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap things up and I'll close the show with that song. Sweet, yeah. Um, the song was uh, written by. Uh, couple of buddies of mine that had co-written a song on my first album, Memories of a Beautiful Disaster. They co-wrote the track, uh, Deeper. Uh, and I, I had scheduled a co-writing session with them, and we really just ended up listening to all these different songs that they had written with me in mind, and the one that really stuck out was um, temporarily titled WWE Durban. And we listened to it. And, oh, <laughs> okay. This is amazing. Of course, I'm, I'm taking this immediately. And I was like, but it's, it's got to have a different name. And so it was just trying to just figuring it out for a while, and I wasn't sure if I really wanted to title it SmackDown. I mean, it was up to me. I got to pick the title. So that was cool. You know, it kind of nice. more my own. Um, and, uh, so I, I just kind of went with my gut instinct and, and went for it. And uh, The video, I knew that there was a, a, a small independent wrestling promotion in Santa Cruz here locally. And so I contacted the guy that owns it and owns the ring and turned out that he lived like a block away from us, and uh, which was so serendipitous cool. and crazy. And, uh, and we just did it. We did it super low budget. Um, a lot of people uh, gratefully worked for free, and we got it. You know, we, we, we turned it out in, in like a week. The video was done, and we only had like four hours to film it. And, you know, it really goes to show what you can do when you put your resources together and, you, you know, you stay local. You use your community, and you give back to your community, and your community gives back to you. So it's um it, it really it was a test and goes to show that. Nice. Definitely. It's a great and video. It really fun. is. It's, it is. It's, it's an awesome track. 
Well, James, thank you so much. I mean, I know we're we're coming short with time, but you're always welcome to come back on my show if you want to ever do another interview or just a more in-depth interview with your album. You're always welcome back on the show. And um, just to let your fans know, there'll be a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. There'll be a podcast, too, of the interview. So if anyone wants to download it or stream it, they're all available on iTunes, all the interviews I do. So if you want to plug it out there, that'll be great on your social media pages to anyone who you know, for some reason didn't tune into the live show. And, yeah, I just want to wish you much success. I know July 15th, right, that's when it's going to be dropped, and uh, I just wish you much the best of success with it. Thank you so much, Carrie. I really appreciate you having me on, and I'll uh, I'll be sure, we'll be sure to uh, hit you up again when we're doing another release or uh, something big. Okay. Sounds great. So, yeah, so like I said, when, when I get you off to let you go, I will uh, play SmackDown. And, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on, James, and I wish you, the band, and everything else that you're doing in the future so much success. Thank you. Much appreciated. Okay. Take care. A- absolutely. You too. Bye. Have a great night. Okay. You too. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. All right, everyone, James Durbin, we're going to check out SmackDown right now, and then we'll be back in a moment.
everyone. Welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. Again, Smackdown by James Durbin and his album Riot on Sunset, which will be out on July 15th. So be sure to either uh, pre-pick up a copy or uh, pick it up on the day that it drops. Also wanted to give a special thanks to Ken Phillips from Ken Phillips Publicity Group for setting up this interview. It's been great doing some interviews with him, and I look forward to doing some more in the future. And to everyone who tuned in tonight, I usually do a brief introduction, but because time was limited with James, because he's going to be headed out on tour, just want to let people know I've done over 200 interviews with national musicians, comedians, filmmakers, and a variety of other entertainers. So please check them out. You can download them or stream them straight off my site, or you can also go to iTunes. And each interview is very different and unique. I really take you on an interesting journey of the people's life story and uh, how they got into the field that they're currently working in today. So follow me on Carrie Edelman, follow me, sorry, at Carrie Edelman on Twitter, and I will follow you back. If you want to befriend me on Facebook, I have two personal pages. One's maxed out, so I'll find the one that's not. It'll be great to keep in touch with people that way and also become a fan of the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook, and that's where you can see all of my updates for interviews and uh, more things that I have coming up in the future. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Again, if you tuned in late, you can download or stream a copy of the podcast once the interview is over, and thanks for the continued support. And once again, check out James Durbin and his new album, Riot on Sunset, which will be out July 15th. Thank you so much, and have a great night.